Well, once again, it's great to see you at church on this Father's Day. Yeah, I know I've heard of a whole lot of people who uh, decided to go camping on this Father's Day. I guess it's the first nice weather we've had for us. And yeah, I'm glad that you chose to, to be here. And yeah, we're so glad that each one's here. Uh, we've been in a series in June called Be Strong. We started two weeks ago talking about Gideon. Last Sunday, Pastor Cole spoke about Samson and heard a lot of great things about that. Uh, by the way, thanks for your prayers for the team of people that went to the Dominican Republic. And we were so blessed by everything that took place there. And, and we saw God work really in some amazing ways. And we hope to be able to tell you and to show you uh, some of the pictures next Sunday and tell you a few stories about the trip. Uh, we, we did have some really good stories. And they may be more funny to us than they would be to you. Uh, it's kind of sometimes you had to be there thing. Like uh, all we would have to say is Dan's hat and our whole group would start laughing, all right? Or say uh, Melissa's passport and the whole group would laugh. Uh, but you would have to know the stories behind all of that. We had a great time and we were really, uh, we felt like uh, in many ways that we were extremely busy because we had uh, ministry every morning and then we had ministry every night. But in between, we got some breaks that were really nice and enjoyed some of the country there in the Dominican. Uh, but thank you again for your prayers and your faithfulness uh, during that time when we were away. And we so appreciate you. Uh, wanted to let you know on July 9th, coming up on Sunday evening, is our annual church meeting. And we will uh, be talking about the budget for the coming fiscal year that starts on July 1st. And we also uh, will be having our deacon and officer election. Uh, we are taking nominations from the congregation for that election for the next couple of Sundays. Out at Connection Point, there are nomination forms, and they have all the instructions you need of how to nominate someone to be a deacon or an officer. And so that's open to the congregation. And then as we get into July 2nd, uh, we'll narrow those nominations down and uh, then have the vote on July 9th. And so I did want to share that with you. And that's open to you. And if you have any questions, I'll be out in the lobby, of course, after the service, and you can ask me about that. Today we're headed to 1 Chronicles chapter 28 in our Be Strong series. And today we're going to look at David, King David, on this Father's Day. And that may seem strange if you've read the Bible much, because David is not the best model of a biblical father, especially with his older children. He had some big struggles. But you know, he did pass some important truths to his son Solomon, and that's what we're going to visit today. And I love uh, the Bible. I, I'm so glad that we can see in God's Word how that God used imperfect people to do amazing things. You look at some of the Bible characters who had some of these incredible flaws. And it, it, sometimes it's easy to judge them for their flaws, but God put them in there to show us that flawed people are used in the kingdom. And uh, that if God was looking for perfect people to use in his kingdom, there wouldn't be anything that got done because we are imperfect, we're flawed. And as fathers, uh, I as a father, and all the fathers in this room, we have things that we regret, we have mistakes that we've made, and yet, God can use us, and God can use all of us to his glory in spite of our mistakes. And that's one of the incredible things about David as a father. Let's read in 1 Chronicles 28, 
And we'll start there in verse number 5 this morning. And of all my sons, for the Lord has given me many sons, he has chosen Solomon, my son, to sit upon the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. And he said unto me, Solomon, thy son, he shall build my house and my courts, for I have chosen him to be my son, and I will be his father. Moreover, I will establish his kingdom forever, if he be constant to do my commandments and my judgments as at this day. Now, therefore, in the sight of all Israel, the congregation of the Lord, and in the audience of our God, keep and seek for all the commandments of the Lord your God, that ye may possess this good land and leave it for an inheritance for your children after you forever. And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. Take heed now, for the Lord hath chosen thee to build an house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. And would you pray with me today? Father, we thank you for this special day where we can recognize our earthly fathers. And on this day, we're especially thankful for our heavenly father, uh, who Jesus called Abba, or, or Daddy, as we might say in English. And we thank you that you exhibit, that you exemplify every trait of what a father is supposed to be. And I pray this morning that we would see some things that would help shape our lives for coming days and for these coming years as we live as fathers and grandfathers and as we shape the next generation and as all of us in this room continue to serve you together, we ask these things in your name. Amen. Well, I heard, did hear that Pastor Cole uh, last week talked about a Facebook video that I was in, and I wanted you to know that that was an illegal video because I did not know it was being taken. And I'm pretty sure in the United States that if someone videos you without your permission, that that's a crime. And so they did it in the Dominican where it's not illegal. Yeah, I just wanted you to know that that is a crime to do, to, do to someone who is singing Father Abraham in an unknown language, okay? Uh, that's a really tough thing that took place. And, and so if you saw that, I apologize that they did that to you and to me. Uh, if there's ever been a time when we needed strong and godly fathers, it is today. Progressive society does its best to destroy all authority figures in the institutions God has created. And they're trying to take down people in government. They're trying to take people down in the home. They're trying to take people down uh, in the local church where there's no authority structure. And God has given us authority for a reason. And God has told us how authority is supposed to be. Authority is supposed to be servant leaders uh, who serve families and who serve churches and who serve in government. Uh, they're not supposed to be lords over God's heritage. But there is authority and there is an authority structure that's been given to us by God. One of the top targets by our progressive culture are consistent, balanced, common sense Christian dads. See, godless society does not like fathers who stand for something. 
especially who stand for God's word. Dads uh, in the modern era are supposed to just give in and let their families go along with the cultural winds and just do whatever. But God says differently. And fathers have been given the scriptural responsibility to lead their families to follow God's truth. As David neared the end of his life, he took that responsibility much more seriously than he had done in his younger years. And it's interesting because David uh, had children. He had a lot of children when he was a very young man. Probably in his late teens or early 20s, he began to have children. And as he got toward the end of his life, now Solomon, his son, is receiving uh, his best at fathering. And uh, David, I think, probably had Solomon when he was in his early 40s. Uh, if the timetable's right, maybe in his late 30s. And, and so he had learned much more, about, much more about being a father. Now, I have a kind of a similar experience. Uh, Amy and I, uh, our first three kids, we were in our 20s, and, and we kind of went through you know, all of the things about learning how to parent, and we had two boys, and then Autumn, and, and now Sophie came along 12 years later. And it's interesting because even though we have more wisdom and we have more knowledge, we have not as much energy. And so the things that we think we're supposed to do as parents and that we probably know we're supposed to do, we just seem like we're not getting it done. And we came back from the Dominican, and we heard how great Sophie had done for my parents, and and uh, all the wonderful stories about how she went to bed without crying, and she obeyed, and she didn't give them any trouble. And then we came back, and it's like, Mom and Dad are in the house. <laughs> and goodness gracious, like, what happened? And, and so parenting it sometimes feels like a moving target for everybody. But David had gained some wisdom in his later years. And now God had revealed this special plan for Solomon's life. And this morning, we want to see how it was that David instructed his son to be strong in fulfilling God's plan. And so the notes are provided in your bulletin if you'd like to follow along with us. And we began by talking about serving God with a perfect heart. David told his son, serve God with a perfect heart. Let's read again in verse number 9. And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father... And serve him with a perfect heart. It's an interesting phrase. Serve him with a perfect heart and a willing mind. You know, that's a very important term in verse 9. A perfect heart. Now, what does that mean? A perfect heart. Now, it doesn't mean that you never make mistakes. It doesn't mean that you never have problems. What it means is that in your heart, you want what God wants. That your heart is completely focused on and devoted to God. Following God always starts with the heart. It always does. And David wanted his son Solomon to develop a heart for God and nothing else. Uh, the king knew from personal experience that God searches men's hearts for purity. And God called David a man after his own heart. You know, David lived much of his life with one thing on his mind, pleasing God. And God rewards those who stay focused upon him. I'm mindful in James chapter 4 where 
James tells us that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And he wants this, and then he wants that, and he's here, and he's there. And he, uh, it's basically talking about a spiritual form uh, of having ADD, uh, attention deficit disorder, where I'm going to follow God, I'm going to follow the world. I'm going to follow God, I'm going to follow the world. And we go back and forth and back and forth. And we had a, a great time as we learned, met uh, a lot of young men who were training and preparing to serve God while we were in the Dominican. And uh, I think everybody uh, latched on to this one kid named Eli. And uh, that, he was way tall, which doesn't take much to be taller than I am, but he was way up there. Like he was maybe 6'4", something like that. And they took one picture where he stood right behind me and photobombed me with, you know, half of his body coming up over my head. So, uh, so it was great. But, but Eli, he definitely has attention deficit disorder, right? And, and when you're sitting in church, and, and uh, we had a youth rally, and Melissa uh, spoke on Saturday night while we were there, and uh, he just talks right along with you, um, while you're speaking, and, and he just kind of is having a conversation, and he's all over the place, and uh, unfocused as you could possibly get. And uh, Pastor Jonathan kept telling us, we're working with Eli. We're working with Eli. And every time he'd do something knuckleheaded, he'd say, we're working with Eli. And, uh, and you know, that's how God is with all of us. God's working with us because our attention on him loses focus quickly. We come to church on Sunday, and, and we get in the Word, and we hear what God has for us, and we say, boy, I really want to serve God this week, and I want my heart to be at one with God, and I want what God wants. And it seems like as soon as we go out the door that our attention gets diverted, and our attention gets unfocused, and it's hard to retain that through the week. And so David's saying to Solomon, first thing, you need to have a heart that stays focused on God. You need to have a perfect heart with God. It's essential to your walk with Him. And, and so that's about verse number 9. Now, it gets very interesting as we go down to verse number 11. It says, Then David gave to Solomon, his son, the pattern. That's a good phrase, I think, to underline if you're an underliner. The pattern. He gave him the pattern. What do you give them the pattern of? Of the porch, of the houses thereof, of the treasuries thereof, of the upper chambers thereof, of the inner parlors thereof, of the place of the mercy seat. Now look what he said. And the pattern of all that he had by the Spirit. Now it's so interesting to me that God gave David the plan for the temple that Solomon was supposed to build. Isn't that unique? When we find in the Bible, does anybody remember this Bible trivia? Anybody remember who Noah's dad was? Do you remember? Was it Lamech? Is that right? I don't want to embarrass anybody. Is that right? Lamech? Nobody even knows, so it's okay. So let's just say it's Lamech, okay? Uh, so Noah... Uh, when he was uh, about 500 years old, uh, it says he had some sons, and, and then God came to him and said, No, I want you to build the ark and build it on a gopher wood, and you need to make it this long and this wide and this tall. And Noah began to build the ark. 
God did not give the pattern to Noah's father. God gave the pattern to Noah. Okay? Uh, when Moses, anybody remember Moses' father? His name was, his name was Amram, right? So, so God did not come to Amram and say, hey, you're going to have a son, and I want him to build the temple, and I want it to be this wide and this long and this high, and the curtains need to be like this. You need to make them out of this kind of skin and do it just this way. Nope, God came right to Moses. But when it came time to build the great temple, God gave the pattern, not to Solomon, but to David. That's very interesting. So this is the second part of our message. Follow the right pattern. Follow the right pattern. The Spirit gave to David a pattern for a building that Solomon was supposed to construct. And now this pattern that's been given by the Spirit has all the things that are needed for the temple. And, it, and David <clears throat> had it offered all of this to Solomon now as he was about to pass off the scene. It really helps when your father gives you the pattern for what the temple you're supposed to build should look like. And it also helps if your father saves billions of dollars of gold for the construction. It's estimated that David gave to the temple, in today's uh, economy, David gave to the temple $14 billion. That'd be helpful, right? How many of your father had left you $14 billion to make something, you probably could have got it done. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, so David gave him the pattern, and he gave him all of this economic help, and he also was committed to getting Solomon ready for the task God had designed him to do. The behaviors that Solomon was supposed to follow as king were being modeled and, and patterned by his father. I love verse 19. It says, All this, said David, the Lord made me understand in writing by his hand upon me, even all the works of this pattern. And so God had given David a pattern for Solomon to follow. Consider this as well. David had the priests and the Levites ready to help. You read through the chapter. Uh, he had the workmen and he had the skilled construction folks lined up and ready to go. And the princes and the people were excited to follow Solomon. And David gave him this pattern and this provision of resources and of labors. Because of God's blessing and because of his father's preparation, Solomon quickly became the most successful king in all of history. Dads, don't just give your kids words on how to live. Give them a pattern to follow. Model what serving God looks like. Model what a relationship with God looks like. How did David have the model? Well, we read in verse 19, God gave it to him. How do we have the model? Because it'd be tough, and you say sometimes, well, how do I know how to model things as a dad? Right? It's so hard in the modern culture. How do I make the choices between what's right, what's wrong, and what's best? How do I know how my kids should follow God? And I want to go back to a, a foundational passage in God's Word in Deuteronomy chapter 6. 
Now, this is the only time we'll leave our Chronicles passage, I think, in the message today. But Deuteronomy 6, these words were given to the children of Israel by Moses in the last month of his life. And he's speaking to this entire group of fathers. And here's what he said to them in Deuteronomy 6. Verse number 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. So first it has to be personal to you. You have to take it in for yourself, Dad. If you don't take it into your own heart, you can't transmit it to the heart of your children. It's got to be in your heart. Now look at verse 7. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. So dads are always supposed to be teaching God's word to their children. You say, Pastor, can moms do it too? Yeah, moms can do it too. They're, they're part of the structure that God has placed in the home. But it's dad's responsibility to make sure that kids are receiving God's word at every opportunity. And thou shalt bind them, this is verse 8, thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand. They shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. Thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. So dads were supposed to be so in tune with teaching their kids God's principles and God's law and God's word that at every opportunity, at every place where they went, that they were supposed to put the word of God and they were supposed to remind their children on a constant basis of who, God's, who God was and what his word was. And so there's a pattern that has to be given. Now, there's still a pattern today. And the pattern starts with dad taking God, Jesus, into his own life and then transmitting God's word to his family. Uh, we read every night uh, a Bible story from Sophie's Bible. And it's a Bible story book and, and she goes and gets it and she comes up and she shows us exactly which story we're on and we read that one and it's usually three or four little pages long and then we have our family prayer. And, and my wife mentioned a couple nights ago, she said, Sophie, I think that this Bible is just about worn out and that these stories, maybe you know a lot of these stories, and maybe we need to get the next one where the stories are a little longer. And it's the same stories, uh, but it's, it's a little bit more in-depth and a little bit more, and it just keep moving forward in knowing God's Word. And I'm thankful for my parents, and I'm thankful for the way that they invested in our lives by placing God's word in our hearts. And I, I remember every night when I was a kid, we did it after supper. And every night after supper, we would, uh, when I was a little kid, we read the Bible stories too, and I really liked stuff. And then as I got older, we started uh, learning Proverbs together, like the book of Proverbs. And uh, that one has stuck with me too, but the Bible stories really stuck with me, and I really love those. And then we had a family prayer list, and we each had to pray for different things. And uh, we had that all, all the time, and it was very important in our home. 
And dads, we have to take seriously that there is a pattern that God wants us to follow. And I know this. All of the hopes and dreams that we have as dads for our kids and for our grandkids, yeah, those things move quick, right? And if you miss the, the window when you're able to invest in your kids spiritually, that window moves really quickly, and it's gone. And, and then you don't have the chance anymore. Uh, we just had two weeks ago, Dawson, our son, uh, flew off to Florida, and he's in a work program for college, and then he's going to be in college in the fall. And one of the things we've been saying to each other ever since in these last two weeks, almost every day, we comment to each other, well, we did all we can do. And now he's got to figure these things out on his own. And yet, there's regrets. Well, I wish maybe we could have done even a little more. I wish we could have gotten more of God's word in there. I wish we could have gotten more uh, of God into his heart where he wants to serve God with his life and we're, we're praying that he will and praying that he'll do whatever God wants him to do with his life. But you know, that pattern is so big as we move God's word and we transmit it from God's heart to my heart to their heart. That's what being a father is all about as a Christian. We go to verse number 20 back in 1 Chronicles now. 1 Chronicles 28. And if we look at verse number 20, we'll see the third part of the message. Here's what David said to his son. David said to Solomon, his son, be strong and of good courage and do it. You wonder where Nike got their slogan. Fear not, nor be dismayed, for the Lord God, now look at this, this is so huge, even my God will be with thee. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee until thou hast finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. David was entrusting something monumental to his son. The construction of the temple was an overwhelming task. They would take long-term commitment and strength. And David said, Solomon, you don't have to be afraid. God, my God, is going to be with you. The fact that God was a personal God to David was a huge benefit to Solomon. Fathers who trust and serve a personal God pave the way for their children to know and follow God. And in your life and in your family, God has to be more than just the church God. He's got to be the family God. He's got to be the work God. He's got to be the all-the-time God. If we want our children to take courage and to follow God's purpose for their lives, we have to know and serve a personal God. Because the God of David would never fail Solomon. And the personal God of every father will never fail the next generation. But when God's not personal then he doesn't get passed down to the next generation as the authentic God. He doesn't get passed down to the next generation as the real creator. He's actually just the name of the deity in your religion. When your God is somebody you sing about on Sunday, but you don't worship on Monday, then your kids 
won't buy in with a courageous purpose. If, if God is, is spoken of at your church, but he's never spoken of by you at your house, then your kids won't buy in to a purposeful, courageous life for God. And they won't see their lives as unique and important to the kingdom of God. Now, being a father is tough, guys. I, I get that. Being a Christian father is especially tough because it's tied into God's big picture plan. We have so many plans for our kids, and yeah, guys, whatever their hobby is, they like their kids to learn to throw a baseball or to go fishing or to know how to shoot a gun or yeah, to know how to mow a lawn so dad doesn't have to anymore, or whatever it is. <clears throat> and we've just passed out of that phase, and now dad has to again. So, yeah. It's, it's almost time where, for the first time in our lives, we're actually considering maybe hiring a neighbor kid to mow the lawn, okay? Yeah, because we've, we've trained them, and now they're gone. But, you know, we train our kids to do all these things, and do we train them that there's something much bigger than that? There is a purpose for which every kid is fearfully and wonderfully made. And, boy, if we miss that, we missed a big part of being a Christian father. And so David, he, he says, listen, I want you, Solomon, I want you to get that thing of the perfect heart down. And I want you to know, hey, there is a pattern you're supposed to follow. But don't miss God's purpose for your life. Don't miss being courageous in what God has called you to do. And then there's this last part, and uh, to do this, we have to go to the book of Proverbs. And I mentioned earlier that, that my parents, uh, every night when I was a teenager, we had to learn Proverbs. And so Sharon could probably do it better than I could because she's 10 years younger than I am, and her brain was much more fertile during that time period. And she probably could just stand up here and quote Proverbs 1 and 2 and 3 and 4. Uh, and maybe even beyond that, I don't even know. Should we test her? How many of you guys think we should test her right now? Um, okay, well, maybe another Sunday. So um, we just don't have time today. But in Proverbs chapter 4, uh, there's this connection that was made to me from learning these verses when I was a kid that kind of goes exactly with what this message is saying. And Solomon became king after his father, and he quickly became as we mentioned, this immensely successful king. He was the wisest king in human history. He's also extremely wealthy. He was the author of thousands of Proverbs and songs. And in Proverbs 4, there is this unique passage that Solomon is offering to his son, Rehoboam. And I want you to see it because it's a very special story. Proverbs chapter 4, beginning in verse number 3. For I was my father's son. Ever heard this before? It's, this is Solomon saying, I was my father's son. You ever seen a little kid and they say, he's a daddy's boy? Right? You ever seen a little kid and they say, he's a mama's boy? Right? Or he's a daddy's girl. No, she, she's a daddy's girl. And in modern culture, you get that twisted sometimes. She's a daddy's girl, and a, she's a daddy's 
girl and she's a, a mama's girl and we say all these things. Well, Solomon kind of said that. He said, I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. So he says, I was a daddy's boy, but I was also a mama's boy. My mom, she doted on me, and she cared about me, and my dad, he cared about me too. And look at verse number four. He taught me also. So, so dad, he really, he called me his son, and we had this special relationship, but he taught me also. And he said unto me, here's what David said to his son. Let thine heart retain my words. Keep my commandments and live. Do you ever wish you could have one more conversation with your dad? You just get a little more advice and a little more wisdom, and you kind of say in your mind, Dad, if we could have one more conversation, this time I'm going to remember what you said. This time, I'm going to write it down. This time, I'm going to tape it with my phone or whatever it is. I don't want to lose what you said to me. He says, he taught me also. Here's what he said to me in verse 5. Here's what David told Solomon. Get wisdom. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Forget it not. Neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, that's wisdom, and she shall preserve thee, love her, and she shall keep thee. Now look at verse 7. This is the last point in our message. Wisdom is the principal thing. It's the main thing. Therefore get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Exalt her, she shall promote thee. She shall bring to thee honor when thou dost embrace her. She shall give to thine head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory shall wisdom deliver to thee. Here's the fourth part of the message today. Don't miss the principal thing. Don't miss the main thing. And David says to Solomon, listen, if you miss everything else I've told you, don't miss this. Get wisdom. Wisdom is going to be important to your life. Now, now think of this, because I already told you, Solomon became the wisest king who ever lived. Right? Isn't that amazing? That uh, His father... The, the thing that David wanted him to understand was get wisdom. And it stuck so much in Solomon's head that it became part of who he was as a man. Where he said, I really need God's wisdom. Now that brings us to this, this funnel part of the message today where we're going to focus in and get this big truth out of what we said. Here's today's big truth. None of us... <clears throat> are faultless fathers. None of us are. But all of us can pass God's truths to our children. Here's what I love about being a child of God. Your success as a father is not dependent upon you if you are dependent upon God. Right? Now listen, did you get that? Your success as a father is not dependent on you if you're dependent on God. Okay? Now, if you're not going to be dependent on God and you're not going to be authentic with God and you're not going to live a Christian life, then it's all dependent on you. 
But if you come before God and say, God, I'm going to do my best and I love you and I'm going to walk with you and I'm going to pray with my kids and we're going to read the Bible together and we're going to know God's word together and I'm going to model that sometimes I have to come to my kids and say, I'm sorry, I messed up. If I'm going to be dependent on you, then all that's done with my kids is now dependent on God instead of me. And God gets the responsibility. If I just follow what God's told me to do, now the responsibility goes to him. Some of you know the story of Solomon. He was born to a woman named Bathsheba. And David had committed a great sin with Bathsheba, and Solomon's older sibling had died. And now when Solomon is born... Nathan the prophet came to give David a word from God. And here's what God told him. He said, David, I know you named your son Solomon. He said, but I have named him a different name. I named him Jedidiah. So God had a different name for Solomon. He didn't call him Solomon. He called him Jedidiah. You know what Jedidiah means? It means beloved of the Lord. God comes to David and says, listen, David, you just had a son, and you named him Solomon. I named him Jedidiah because I love him, and I love him even more than you do. And then he said, I'm going to be a father to your son. That is God's message to every father in this place today. (coughs) Son, I love you, and I love your children even more than you love them. And I have good plans for them. And I'll be a father to them. If you want to be a successful father, get out of God's way. Let God love and guide your child and make your child into his image. It's kind of like (laughs) happened with D.L. Moody once. Moody was a great evangelist in the late 1800s. And he had such an effect that uh, he, it, it said that he took uh, North America in one hand and he took Europe in the other hand and he shook them both for God. And he had over a million converts in his ministry. And one day, a man came to Moody and he said, uh, Moody, I ran into one of your converts and he cursed me. And he was a drunk. And he was rude. And Moody said, you are sure to be right, sir. For if that had been one of God's converts, his life would have been changed. Certainly he must have been one of Moody's converts. I told you all that story to say this. Dads, moms, everybody in this room. You don't want your kids to be daddy's kid. You want them to be God's kid. Because if they're daddy's kids, the inconsistencies and the failures and the flaws that you have in your life are going to run right down through your bloodstream into them. But if they are a child of God, Jesus is free to shape their heart. He's free to shape their personality. He's free to take the flaws that you have as a father and help your kid to overcome that and to be something different in a better way. To be what God has made each of them to be. And God wants us as fathers to get this big truth. Let God 
see your child's father in a better way than you are. That's today's faith challenge. Do you really believe that God's plans for your child are better than yours? Do you really believe it? Because if you believe it, then you're going to live like it. David, I mentioned, he saved up billions of dollars for the temple. He appointed princes and workmen, and he got priests and Levites ready. Why did he do that? Because he truly believed that God was going to use his son to build the temple. He really believed in God's plans for his child. And he got out of the way to, God, to let God work. And that's what God wants us to do. I love the story of David and Solomon. And in 1 Kings chapter 3, David had just passed away. Solomon's the king. God comes to Solomon in a dream one night. He says to Solomon, Solomon, ask what I should give you. Whatever you want, I'll give it to you. But Solomon said to God, God, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to go out. I don't know how to come in. I don't know how to lead. And he said, above all things, give me an understanding heart. Give me wisdom. Now, why do you think that Solomon asked God for that as his number one thing? I'm pretty sure I know the answer. Because when he was a boy growing up, and when he was a teenager growing up, his dad told him all the time, get wisdom. Get wisdom. It's the principal thing. It's the main thing. Make sure in all you're getting, get wisdom. And Solomon, when God asked him, what do you want? It was the first thing on his heart. Because his dad paved the way for him. And so David, flawed father, failed his older children. He was inconsistent. He didn't discipline them. It, it said in Scripture about Absalom, that never at one time did uh, Absalom's father ever disappoint him. That means he never told him no once. Right? Have you ever been around a kid who nobody ever told that kid no? Run. Right? If it's your kid, it's even worse. Run faster. And uh, they, they keep telling me, my older kids and my wife keep telling me, you've got to tell Sophie no more. It's so hard, so hard. And, and for David, it was so hard to tell Absalom no, and Absalom became a murderer. Amnon became a rapist. Solomon became the wisest king who ever lived. Not because David, but because David passed the baton over to God. And David said, God, you said you want him as a son. I'm just going to tell him everything you told me. I'm going to give him the pattern you gave to me. And I'm going to give him the resources you gave to me. And I'm going to give him the labors you gave to me. And God has called us to give what he passes through us to the next generation. Let's bow together this morning.
As we bow today, I don't know how God's spoken to your heart. I don't know what God's called you to do. But I know this. God needs some good men to lead in this time of crisis in the American civilization, in the American churches, in the American families. God needs us to lead. As we get ready to close today, I'm going to invite all of the men who are fathers or grandfathers who have an influence on the next generation to come for a commitment prayer. If you'd like to come to the altar and kneel or come to these front seats and sit in the seats or even kneel or pray at your seat if you're physically unable, yeah, just come right now. We'll have a commitment.